Cobram Estate is the most awarded Australian extra virgin olive oil. Let it be the hero when entertaining family and friends. Cobram Estate extra virgin olive oil is fresh and full of flavour. Perfect for roasting, frying, baking, dressing salads and for dipping bread. Make your food taste even better with a little help from Cobram Estate. Premium quality, great tasting and a versatile healthy alternative. Buy in store at all major retailers. G'day guys, Dill here. This should not come as a surprise to anyone given he's one of the biggest and best sports broadcasters in Australia, but Brian Taylor's podcast, Life of Brian, is absolutely flying at the moment. Recently he's had on James Brayshaw, Tony Jones, his nephew and Sydney midfielder James Rowbottom, and even horse teeth Tommy Sheridan. Life of Brian is not just about the guests, it also provides a great insight behind the scenes of the football media and BT's life away from the mic. He's a very, very quirky man. Who would have thought picking up sticks is so important? The show is hosted by his son Harrison and it's fair to say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because Harrison gives Brian a run for his money. Life of Brian is a clubby sports podcast and it should be in your rotation. IllyXX. Yes, welcome back to Dylan Friends this week on the podcast. A very exciting guest. But first, let me just tell you about something really, really, really bloody exciting we're doing with Dylan Friends. Liz Cogger's 200 plus. Tradies, tee it up. Everyone else. Am I missing anyone, Moff? Marmalade. Marmalade. Kick it forward. All the boys, all the guys that we're um that we're working with at the moment here at Producey, and we are putting on something awesome. We've been working so hard behind the scenes to launch our grand final breakfast. I genuinely can't believe we're doing this, but we're absolutely doing it. Conference Hall, Crown Casino, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., Saturday, September 30. The morning of the grand final, we are going to be hosting a grand final breakfast. As I said, presented by Dylan Friends, List Cloggers, 200 Plus, Footy and Friends, Kick It Forward, Marmalade, and more. 18 Plus, alcohol served. We're basically going to have the best grand final breakfast ever to set your day off on the right foot. The biggest grand final of all time. So we're really, really excited for this. We'd love for you to get down. There's going to be tickets, tables of 10. Come with your mates and, uh, yeah, enjoy a really, really good breakfast that will have heaps of players there, all the podcasts, shows, music, just an awesome event to get a young millennial breakfast. Be a bit more of a modern twist on the traditional grand final breakfast. So we want to own this space over the next you know, years to come, which is really, really exciting. So tickets are launching this week and uh, we can't wait to share with you more on that bad boy. Now, excitingly, Moff, getting into today's podcast, Joe Ingalls. What a ripper it was. You love Joe Ingalls, don't you, man? It was unbelievable. (laughs) The insight was was. incredible. Um, Joe Ingalls, for those of you who don't know him, you've been living under a rock for the last 30 years. Joe Ingalls is an Australian basketball player, uh, debuted at 27 years of age in the NBA. He's played for Utah, Milwaukee Bucks, and obviously now has been tried to do Orlando Magic, which we love. So exciting in that. If you know me, you know the show. You know that I don't know a lot about basketball, so we didn't get too much into uh, the specifics. But Moff, you're a big basketball man. You were on the mic asking heaps of stats. Yeah, we got some really exciting info out of him. Paul George beef. The Paul George beef, which, you know, in credit to you, you came with the clip. He'd said something about um, Joe Ingalls years and years ago when they played each other in the playoffs, and Joe hadn't seen it. He was he was shocked. So we actually think this could go like completely viral. This is the one, deal. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but yeah, he spoke about it all. You know, his road to the NBA, playing with incredible players, like just naming guys like Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry that he's like shooting around and doing his training camps and the trades, the business of the NBA is so interesting because it's something like that we don't really you know hear a lot of in Australia. Then obviously speaking about the boomers culture, which you can see his eyes light up off when he's like talking about it, like how much he just loves, you know, the boomers and their culture there. It honestly is the most exciting build up for this FIBA World Cup. Yep. So listen in. Yeah, he wants a gold medal. Um, they all do, which is 
which is super cool. So, hey, I think I've bored you enough with all that stuff. But um, as I said, our grand final breakfast is going live this week. Would love, love, love nothing more than for you guys to um to get down and have some fun with us. Grand final morning, Crown Casino, and get all your mates involved. Start the tradition of years to come. Fill your breakfast in the morning. Watch the game afterwards. Let your hair down. Have some fun and also enjoy this podcast with Joe Ingalls because this guy is a star. Would love your feedback and everything else in between. But um, you're the XX fan. Hi, fam. It's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friend. He gives you a back rub. This is, you know, going well, Ryan. Oh, it's special. Get comfortable, uncomfortable. Just keep showing up and find a way. Cam was so nervous he couldn't swallow water. Handed him a sheet of paper with six names and said, Chief, we've got to cut these six blokes. Wow, shut up. I've just been barbed by Stingray, mate. I'm just yelling at him. You saved my life. You saved my life. You saved my life. Thank you. Thank you. I spent the last, I think it was a couple of weeks in jail. The deepest, darkest moments often bring about our biggest highs. Joe Ingalls, how are you, my man? Wonderful. Thanks what's, for having me. What's happening? Um, I guess a lot, but not much. Yeah. Um, finally back in Australia for the first time, which is nice. Obviously, key reason being the boomers. Mm. Um, we're just up in Cairns for for a week and then a couple of days off now and then um, a couple of games in Melbourne before we head to the World Cup. So, oh, fuck no. When was the last time you were here? Uh, I did come back last year when I tore my ACL, just briefly, really, to see – some better physios and docs. Just, <laughs> I went to the VIS and I think we came back for about a month and just quickly, bit of a checkup, bit of my rehab started. But obviously being in America now and, and overseas for however many years now, it's nice to get some reassurance of what you're doing from people you trust and familiar faces. And it was actually my wife's physio that I went and saw, obviously a bit of a relationship and trusted them. And yeah, really just checking them, checking quickly, saw a few friends and then got out of here. Isn't it crazy, man? Like we, um, I don't, I've never met you personally, but obviously we've got close friends together, Cam and Jared Roughhead who, how do you actually know them by the way? Cam's really just a throw in. Like yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, me too. I just thought that you liked him, so I don't really no, like I, him. Yeah. As long as he gets me some deals, I'm yeah, good with him. I'm a bit the um, same with him to be honest, yeah. Ruffy actually played basketball, um, which he'll want me to tell you that he beat, he beat us for a bronze medal one time. He stunk, but his team was good. But he played basketball forever. And then the year he got drafted by the Hawks, I came to Melbourne to play for the Dragons. And kind of like, obviously, Lee and Gather, and I was from Adelaide, kind of two random places, and we were both in a pretty big city. Um, And just kind of started to hang out because we we had somewhat of a relationship. And, yeah, that was, I mean, that was 20, more than 20 years ago. Do you reckon uh, Ruffy, Jared Ruffy gets annoyed he doesn't get compared to as like, you he know, wishes he was a basketballer. Stuff? Like, does, he, does that 100%. annoy him as much as yeah. you think it would? I mean, he's got way more premierships than Pendlebury. But That's true. That is true. He's had a decent career. He's but had an incredible I career. I guarantee you, I don't know this for real, I, I, I would strongly suggest that if he could give up a couple of those premierships to play like professional basketball, I reckon he would have a crack. For sure. Was he good? He was solid. Yeah. He was a bit like chubbier and had a lot longer red hair back then. Yeah. Um, but, but he was solid. Like, he, he played Vic country for state level, like which you're like, you've got to be what, best, one of the best 12 of your age group yep. for that, depending on what age group you are. So he was all right. But career wise, he was probably better. He went the yeah, AFL right. route. You know what we were talking about before with you coming back and getting your knee checked and stuff? Something I'm always super fascinated about, like I've lived a little bit in that professional world of people uh, at the end of the season, like footy players, coaches, yeah. always go to the US. 
and they go on like two of these like yeah. facilities. We get and they, them every year. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, you just get them on the bus and they rock yeah. up and they're coming over like, what do you guys do? But the word is like, I'm not discrediting anything the US are doing, but yeah. the word is Australia are doing a lot right as well. Is 100%. that what you think? Yeah. So we, like this is my 10th year in the NBA. From my first year to now, it's like night and day, the amount of Australians that are over there. Yeah. In Milwaukee this year, we had 70% of our medical and strength and conditioning staff were Australian or English. We had a couple of English as well. And I think it's just like, it's very well respected in the States what our like sports science world does over here. Mm. And I think it's just like, it's like we're slowly infiltrating. It's almost like the players. Like 10 years ago, there was a couple of us over there. Before me, there was like one or two. And you get that like bit of reputation. Like, I mean, Delhi's a perfect example of like how hard you play and you're a good locker room guy and do anything to help the team win. And I think that's similar with the staff. It's mm. like they obviously work hard, great, great people to have around. And we're probably a little bit more advanced in in that world to to what it was kind of 10 years ago. So yeah, there, there's a lot of them walking around now. Players, obviously staff now. It's it's pretty cool to to be around and be able to actually see like so many people you spend like like we're with now. Um, so many of them are over there during the NBA season now. So good. One of our, it was actually a dietitian when I was at Carlton, ended up leaving. And then all of a sudden, like he was just over with the New York Patriots. Uh, the New York, New York Patriots, what are they called? Um, New England. New England Patriots. Yeah. He was over the New York Patriots. And now he's like Bill Belichick's apparently like right-hand man. And it's you're cr- like, yeah. how crazy is that? It's like, cr- that's yeah. just unbelievable. So our, our director in Milwaukee was Australian guy. Yeah, right. And so obviously he has a bit of a bias of hiring Australians too. But yeah. like- yeah, he got in the door somehow. He knew the owner through a connection. Before you know it, huge. He's- and you're also over here doing a little bit of uh, obviously all with the boomers, but a bit of business stuff too. You brought in today for us a bit of super booster. Zave and the guys down here are killing it. I didn't realize you killing. were a part of this as well. Yeah, I guess it's just like how life works. You get some opportunities here and there. Um, I was very lucky to. I should probably give Kyle Adnan was the first one I ever probably saw it off. Um, who's I think soon to be brother-in-law. I think he finally. Uh, Manned up. We should double check that before this goes live. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Uh, if not, he's got a ring somewhere. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually saw it through him kind of originally, and I think he actually got me some originally and sent it to the house. I think you guys had, and yeah, tried it and was like, I think a lot of these times it's like 50. Like, obviously, at the end of the day, like you've got to enjoy something you invest in. Me, I mean, some people probably of don't, course. but. And there's a lot of these drinks that kind of suck um, and tried it. And then obviously, um, Patty Mills as well, one of my best mates, was kind of at the same time. And I was like, well, if you're doing it, I'm in too. Like, we've known each other since we were 15. And it's like a pretty cool thing to to not only do with, with Zave and his crew, but also to do with, with one of my best mates um, and little Kyle. So, um, yeah, pretty cool story. Um, unreal drink. We... We rolled into cans and all the boys were, were having some and it was probably the first time they'd tried a lot of it. Mm. The boys loved it. Me and Patty obviously like it. Yeah, they're doing a hell of a job. No, it's a sick drink. I like didn't realize how good the guys are doing. I, was, I met Dave recently as well, who runs a, runs a company. He's absolutely killing it. Um, they got involved with a few of our golf days too, Super Boost. And it's Ooh, got, I'm a golfer now. You got no, 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 no. Yeah? Yeah. And what are you playing off? I've played three times. Okay. You're um, not a golfer, man. I played my third time in Cairns the other day. How'd you go? So I got- You're a big boy, so I don't reckon your swing would be very well, good. I had rented clubs, so it was a little late. Mm. But I got called in because someone else pulled out, and I was like, I'll go with the- Like, it's relaxing. Was it a good course up there? It was all right. Yeah. 
the guys that are a bit more <clears> professional <throat> than me probably weren't too happy. I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah. But I went out there and I literally texted my wife after. I was like, that's the most relaxing day I've had in years. Like, out there was good dudes. The weather was beautiful. We just kind of like, we had cars, but we just kind of rolled around and walked. And I played like the best I've ever played, which probably isn't very good. But then I literally told Cam that I was like, I need, I don't know what hookups you've got with clubs. Hey, man, but I, I've got a golf brand coming out, more greens. Already. You're our next sponsored yeah, athlete yeah, yeah, as well. I'm in. You're, you're as in. soon as I got back to my room, I'm, yeah. I'm a Nike guy. I went back to my room and jumped on my Nike account and was like ordering all these golf shoes nah, and clothes. No, they're not about Nike, man. They're going out. They're not, they're not that cool. <laughs> they're not that cool anymore, man. It's all oh. about these up and coming brands. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. all about it. See? Done. Super Boost More Greens next golf day will get you involved as well. The bottle doesn't leak. I didn't put it in. <laughs> no, of course. No, but in all seriousness, this is a grouse drink. Um, make sure you guys check it out. You would have seen it 100% around. So many um, good AFL players as well are actually attached to this too. Yep. Tuke Miller, Ryan Pappenhausen, one of our best mates in the show the drinks. too. Double it the is. electrolytes. Low calorie, low sugar, way better than the other ones. When honestly, I don't even know no, what the other ones are called. But to be when honest. do you actually drink? Do you even this? know what they're called? No, no, I wouldn't. Never heard of them. No, I wouldn't mind having with them. It's all um, about this. Where when is the camera? would you actually drink this in all seriousness? Like pre-post or both? Weirdly enough, too, probably sounds silly, but I have never been a big. I'm a water guy. Yeah. During games, obviously, like you buy into a company and invest, and you get sent some, and you're like, well, I'm obviously gonna. And I started drinking it during my workouts. Yeah. And I'm a cold drink guy, so I love it cold even yeah. like water or whatever like i'm a i need drinks you don't cold. have sensitive teeth no okay but well, i'm sensitive yeah teeth. so i started drinking it during my workouts and then good size bottle so i'd finish the last bit after and money so i was a i was a during workout guy but yeah, i think nice. i think a lot of that is like depending on the athlete too like some guys like to pre-hydration post-hydration yeah during. My world's a little bit different these days, so I'm sort of in taking this after like Sunday, Sunday morning. morning. <laughs> I don't know if that's like if they're allowed, if they want to be aligned with that. I have to double check, but this is a big makes you feel Sunday better, morning. <laughs> Sunday morning, feeling down in the dumps type of one to get me back on my feet. I'm so, glad. Um, Which flavor? What, what are you? Oh, I'm big on the the strawberry watermelon, um, and I like the grape as well. It's pretty. It's great. It is. It's great. Shit on. It's grape. Yeah. That's like the ninth time you said that today. <laughs> <laughs> it gets funnier each time, it though, does. doesn't it? And it shits um, on every other drink. So. To, to say no as well, it's available at all of the best petrol stations, 7-Eleven, Coles Express, IJ and more, and major supermarkets by the end of the year, which is super exciting. So big shout out to the boys. Congrats on getting involved in Australian companies too, man. Yeah, definitely. I, you I think get, that's a, you a, get asked so much <laughs> shit, hey, to get involved with. <laughs> it's funny, we do. I um, Before, well, when these guys reached out and I was talking to Cam about it and stuff, I was a little bit hesitant at the start because when I was a lot younger, I was playing in Barcelona and one of my teammates was like, hey, invest in this drink company. And I was like, yeah, I got a little like a bit of spare cash. It, I don't have any responsibilities. I'm I'm pretty young and never saw a dollar, never saw a bottle <laughs> of drink, never saw a photo of the drink. Um, so when they when it first came up, what I was, was like, called? Do you remember? I can't even, I'd, be out, I'd have it on my email somewhere. <laughs> And when it first came up, I was like, "Can let's just double check these guys." Yeah, but Bupasust. Very, uh, yeah. <laughs> they they look like the same owners too. No, very, very different. Uh, very different way of uh, going about business. But what's that like over in in the like? We'll get to your your incredible story in a second. But just in terms of like the level you're at now, like playing <clears throat> incredible basketball, obviously over the past like X amount of years, what has that sort of change been like? You from being that guy, young kid in Barcelona to now and the people that are sort of throwing money at you, the people that you're doing business with, like, is, is it mind-blowing sometimes? It is. Um, I still remember when I first signed in the NBL, I was 17. 
I signed for like 30 grand and I was like, I'm never going to have to work another day in my life. Mm. Like I'm getting whatever I was getting a month. And I was like, this is fucking money. Like, and obviously throughout, like you just kind of obviously, it wasn't even, I mean, it's never really been about the money. The money's great and it obviously allows us to do wonderful things. But like, you want to play in the best league. You want to be the best player you can. And for me, it was like at that 27, when I got over here, it was like, I've either kind of got to like dive all in or I'm, going to be playing back in the NBL, which is yeah. is not a bad thing. Got some opportunities, was able to get to Utah, make a bit of a career out of it. And then for me at 27, I'm probably lucky I was a bit more mature than the 18-year-olds that are getting thrown like $50 million at the mm. start of their careers. But yeah, the amount of people, it's funny, like <clears throat> we all want to be great with our money and and do all that and invest it in, in good companies or good people or, or charities. But the amount of people that come to you with things is is amazing. Like yeah. everyone's got an idea. <laughs> everyone's got the best idea and everyone wants as much money as you can to get their best idea going. And I've always been like unbelievably selective and probably more on the not doing anything than than anything. Mm. But been lucky obviously to, to get involved with some pretty cool companies. And yeah, you just get, I mean, you, you, you hear stories of, of past players as like the, the KG with his financial advisor getting like hundreds of millions stolen. And they're the ones you like. You try and learn from their stories, but yeah, I've, I mean, I've seen people lose money gambling on the plane and investing yeah, wow. in companies. So it's it's a it's a tough one because you you do you've got a lot of people at your feet that that want to help you out. They 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 genuinely, but a lot of people have got some bad intentions. So what's uh if you without naming names, of course, like <laughs> give us some of those horror stories that you've seen, maybe that you just like go, what the fuck's actually going on right now? Like I do. There's there has been plane. Playing gambling in the NBA is a big thing. Yeah. Um, like card games, poker, and all, all different. Yeah, what do you play? Poker? So some teams play poker. There is a, there's a game called Bure, which is like the NBA card game. Yeah. It's like, it's, I mean, it's too confusing. Like five cards. You've got yep. to try and get a, a set of cards. Most sets win. But I've seen guys lose like high, high thousands, hundreds. Wow. Um, to teammates? To teammates. To, yeah, like it's. Obviously, it's mainly players on there. Yeah, they're the ones that you don't want. You're like equipment manager who's making forty grand. Yeah, <laughs> losing his whole salary on Have a, you seen on that a skip flight with Michael Jordan throwing the coin against the wall. Have you seen that? I seen oh that. fuck! Okay, that would makes no relevance then at all. But it's I'll, like one of the funniest things I've ever seen because, like they say, Michael Jordan was the most competitive person ever. Yeah. And he'd like he would gamble against like anyone and yeah. take their money, like even like the poorest people in the team. Like yeah, he'd no, just we, take it all. We, we would that would happen with like the rookies because yeah. like <clears throat> part of it is the gambling part is fun, obviously. But like you're on, we're on planes all day, every mm. day, hotels. So some of it is just like let's waste <laughs> two hours of the flight. And so some of the rookies would come in and like I mean, in the scheme of the real world, they're still making a lot of money. But in our world, it's it's not a lot compared mm. to some of these guys making fifty million dollars a year. And the guys would just destroy these rookies. Like you could see the look on their face of like, oh no, like. <laughs> and do they get paid? They actually do get paid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like depending on who it is, I've played a little bit, but I was always like, I never got up to that those yeah. levels. <laughs> yeah. But even if you like would win. Five grand off someone, you'd be like, all right, just give me two grand. Like, yeah. it's all teammates. Like, you don't want to be hating yeah, your teammates yeah, exactly. and like all this tension because you're meant to actually be helping each other on the court, but now you actually hate this guy because you owe him 30 grand. Like, yeah. So, yeah, very, very laid back for us, but it, but it is a bit of fun. And I've, I've seen a, a lot of different 
different outcomes. I can imagine. Imagine sort of talking to yourself now, talking to that young bloke that was with Ruff hanging out when you both sort of signed early contracts of 30 grand to where you've got to now. Would you believe that that's no. ever going to happen? No. How did it, how did it happen? Like It's funny. Like I, I literally was texting um, Quinn Snyder, who was my coach in Utah. Like I said, I, I was 27 when I got to the NBA, mm. which is very late. I'm about to play my 10th year this year, which I never thought I'd do. Like I wanted to get three years to get the pension. <laughs> I was like, let me get the pension. And then whatever happens after that, great. Um, going into my 10th year there, which That's is crazy. just, yeah, like I, I never would have thought of it. But I just want to pause on that point and yeah. I want to come back to this. But like, because there's that point there where you're going just to get the pension versus then dominate. Yeah. And I want to know what happened there, but I want to know first how you got well, to the NBA. The same, it's like very the, similar. Okay. So I sat down with Quinn <clears throat> when I first got the kind of the call from the team, and I'm, I'm sitting with Quinn. And, and this when you're in Europe? In first got to Utah. First so got I to just Utah. got to the NBA. I'm trying to figure it out, and like I'm trying to stick. I want yep. to stay there. I do just want to get the pension, but I do want to stay there. Like it's obviously for us, it's the best. It's like AFL, it's like whatever that country is for the best sport. And, I'll never forget, I was sitting next to, to the coach and he said, he almost like questioned me of like, well, do you think you're like done in your career? Like, do you think you are the best you can be? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. Like, I don't think I'll get much better. Like I've, I'm 27, I'm playing against 18 year olds every day now. And he was like, he, he's a, does swear a little bit. He's like, you're fucking crazy. Like, what is stopping you like getting better every year of, like every off season, why don't we work on like one or two things and just lock in on like whatever that may be. And back then for me, it was like, I wanted to be a more consistent shooter. So my first two or three years, all I would do like all summer was like shoot, shoot, shoot. And now I've been a career 40% three point shooter, which is which has helped me a ton in my career. But I was just talking to, to him literally yesterday about it. I texted him and was telling the story of someone else. Like for me, it was just like, I want to be the best I can be. Like I think every athlete wants to get the best out of themselves. But I think some of us, I think a lot of us are very content of like, you make the AFL, you make the NBA, you make the NBL, like you've made it. And some people, the best ones are the ones that excel at every little box you've got to tick. And the other ones like kind of float through and some make it because they're talented and some are out a couple years into their career. And I didn't want to do that. So I was like, I'm just going to figure out how this how this can work. And I, so every off season, I would finish the season and I would sit down with Quinn. And I was lucky that I was in Utah eight years. So I got kind of eight years of him. And we would map out like a whole summer plan of like, this is what I want to get better on. Or this season, I struggled with this offensively and defensively. It wasn't like uh, a lot of basketball was just like who scores the most mm. points is the best player. Um, and I just kept working on it and working on it. You get more opportunities, like got to play more minutes, played well and like you said then kind of like you get better you get more responsibility and now i'm here today 10 years later but i still at this like i'm 35 now and i've still spent like i did my acl like my whole thing was like all right i'm gonna come back better for my acl i'm gonna come back fitter and i'm 35 like everyone writes you out it's the whole like i can't fucking stand it it's why i actually stopped this is the first interview i've done in like 12 months yeah um, so why? So people assuming like it's yeah, and you know what it's like in footy as well. Like age, even worse. It's like thirty five years old, old. You've got an injury. You're old, and it's like I, I always go back. It's the first thing that goes to my mind is like what Quinn and in his voice, and he's like got this little curl that hangs down. I can picture everything, mm. and I'm like, it's fucking the stupidest thing in the world. Like if I work hard and I look after my body, and like it doesn't matter if I'm forty five or or fifteen. If I do the right things, I'm going to be able to compete in until I decide I don't want to play anymore. Like that's that's my choice. I'm not going to let someone dictate that for me. And I've just taken that every off season, like I did it with my knee. It's like, all right, 
everyone wants to write you off. Like, well, fuck you all. <laughs> I'm going to come back better. And lucky enough, got a really good job with Milwaukee, which was awesome to be there. And then played well at the end of the year and got another two years with a, another good. It's just like, I don't know. I think it, in the sports world, one of the biggest things I think is, and I've been in Australia for so long now, but it's everyone else is just trying to tear you down. Like, no, the media wants to tear you down, fans tear you down. Even if you're the home fans, they love you, but then you do one, you miss one goal or you miss a free throw and you fucking suck. It's like, trade him. Um, so I'm just like, yep, yeah, I'm getting away from everybody and I'm going to be with my wife and kids and I'm going to train, I'm going to get a knee right, I'm going to be with the boomers. I'm going to play until I decide I don't want to play anymore. How important is it to like curate what we put to, between our ears, like who we listen to, who we talk to, who we surround ourselves with? Because like I know, for example, you've been saying so much stuff here maybe as like- Yeah, I stole your show. I no, no, talking. like I fucking love it about <laughs> like earlier, you know, taking part versus taking over, you know, like as a young bloke, I definitely yeah. missed that thing of like, I was just there, you know, not yeah. that I didn't try hard. I just didn't, yeah. just didn't know. I didn't have someone maybe believe in me like you did to- to instill that faith in you to then go, hey, this actually can yeah. work. You know, not that you need people to believe in you, but you should be able to do it anyway. For sure. And then you talk about at the moment with like age, injury, all this stuff. It's like that's an external belief. Yes. But you don't want to let it penetrate your internal belief. Yeah. So is that the reason? Of, like, because we were talking about, like, I was trying to look you up on Instagram, but like, this fucking bloke blocked me on fucking Instagram or something. Like, I, can't, I can't see it anywhere. No, I, yeah, I part of, yeah, and it was all, all of that was around the same time. It was like, yeah. I was sick of people like writing me off before I'd, I'd only just done my knee. I hadn't even yeah. had surgery yet. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, he's done. I, I was still, there was one article that was written there. One of my friends sent me that was basically saying like, it was almost like a retirement article. It was like, he's been great, but this might be the end. And I was like, fuck that. Like, there's no way I'm letting these dudes that, whether they know the sport or not, that's I like, I don't, it do, genuinely doesn't bother me, mm. but I'm not going to let these people. So I deleted everything off my phone changed my number, did everything. Like I just went to a completely like, Ruffy actually texted me this morning because I had asked him about going to dinner tomorrow night and he didn't respond. And I was like, can I get a response? I'm in Melbourne. He's like, mate, you are the worst person to, I don't respond to anyone. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm really bad. But I deleted it off my phone. Um, and me and Renee had been had been talking about it a little while. Just, uh, we got three kids and it's like, you don't want to miss out on these, these good times with the kids either. And we flew back from the trip we had in Australia. We landed back in Utah and my daughter, who's just turned seven, she would have been five at the time. We went, she was falling asleep. It's like lunchtime, she's exhausted. So I took her for a walk around the block. We walk around the block and we stopped at the park. And um, I said, oh, mum and dad have been kind of like making a promise to each other. Like we're gonna, and she cut me off and she goes, you'll get off your phone more? And mm. I was like, I'm fucking done. Like that was it, that was all I needed. Like I was already, halfway there because I wanted to just be like locked in on my knee and I wanted to like block everything else out um like I didn't even give like right like no one had my number for months and months I like it was like Renee and my physios and that was it and my daughter Miller said that to me and I we walked back to the house and I walked in and I was like Renee I'm fucking done I'm done I don't ever want it again and then you have like your managers are like, hey, but is that the bit? Yeah. <laughs> super boost. <laughs> um, and so I deleted off my phone that day, all the apps. And then I was like, I kind of see how I go. Like I'm still a bit nervous. To, and after a couple of months, I was like, I don't miss it at all. Don't need it. Don't want it. So I deactivated everything. And that was like nearly, yeah, 18 months ago or something. I can't even remember now. It's been, don't miss it at all. 
It's unbelievable. I think it's a heart. Like, I, I love what you've done because, like, that hits me fucking in the feels hard. I've just had a, a, a son, four-month-old. Congrats. And, like, the biggest thing for me right now is, like, well, like, everything I'm doing, no matter how cool it is, I'm like, fuck, I should be at home with him, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. like, everything I do. Like, I'm sitting here talking with Joe Ingalls, but I'm like, yeah, my boy's at home. He's yeah. not going to remember this at this stage, but it's, like, a habitual thing that 100%. I want to be a part of. So, I mean, um, even the fact that my she was five and we were, like – I might be like all kinds of things. I'm a good dad. I know yeah. I'm a good dad. Yeah. But I would be with her and be like, and I'd still be Same. like, like, yeah, let's play a game, whatever. You're still like, yeah. And some of it's like, some of it needs to be done. It's some a habit. business. Some of it's, yeah. yeah, some of it's a habit. You've got to be able to snap out of it though and work out when the right yeah. time is. And one, I had a moment similar to you though, is like my mum, like, easily most important person to me, one of the most important person to me in the world. Yeah. And I remember we were talking and I must have been on my phone and she was just like, Oh, I, she must have said something and I didn't hear it. And then Jazz was like, Dylan, get off your phone. And mum was like, oh, no, he's busy. He's do, he's he's working super hard. Not to, like, make me feel bad at all, but and yeah. that hurt me the most. Yeah. And then, like, a week later, oh, I was going to call you the other day. Something awesome happened, but I thought you'd be too busy at work. And yeah. I was like, fuck, you know, like, call what me. am I doing <laughs> to show you that you can't call yeah. me? Like, that no, was, 100%. like, fucking terrible. Yeah, and that was, I mean, you might get there with your, yeah. your kid or more kids later, and but it was just like, when that happened, I was like, if my five-year-old notices that I'm, like, sitting on my phone too much and not – like, and I'm already away enough. Mm. Like, if I'm at home, I need to be with my children. I need to be with Renate. Like, so I was like, no, I'm fucking out of there. Love it, man. No, Best thing awesome. I ever did. Definitely. I get so many messages about this stuff all the time whenever we bring it up because it's yeah. just a problem for everyone. We're all addicted to shit. Yeah, we are so addicted to it. It's not yeah. funny. Um, man, I want to talk about relationships in, in basketball. Like – is it similar to, like, you know, with the boomers? Like, we talk about the boomers, the culture there of, like, guys. Like, I don't even fucking – I've never been in the boomers, but I feel like I'm a part of it, you know? And I think that's probably, like, the mission. <laughs> that's literally the best thing You know I've what I mean? Yeah, like, that's, like, the best thing i That's, like, a compliment, right? It's, yeah. like, when no, even someone says to me they feel like I'm their friend and we've never met. It's, like, that's what you want. You want to be, like, a community. Yeah. Explain like a boomer's culture and friendships and stuff compared to what it's like in an NBA team. Yeah, it's – Totally different. Kind of like, yeah, it's it, it's so far apart, but it is a similar. Like, I think you're we both all, playing basketball, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The money's definitely not the same. Okay. <laughs> I can promise you that. Boom is better, yeah. Yeah, way yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we are. No, yeah. they do look after us, yeah. but not financially. Yeah. <laughs> um, the NBA is just such a business. Like, and I say that with like a lot of respect because I understand like you I'm doing the business. same thing yeah. I've got kids I've got I'm trying to look after my family I want my kids to be fucking set up for life I want my my parents and my wife's parents and everyone to be retired like it's what we do it for it's what mm. we all like you're sitting here like it's a work it's we have to do it it's a part of the, it's, a, it's our job it's my job for me the best thing in the world is like I leave that after seven months or whatever it is eight months and I go to this and it's like like the first day we got to Cairns I've known Patty since we were like tw over 20 years. Me and Patty got to Cairns. We went and sat at this cafe and we sat there for like four hours just talking. Mm. Like, and like, he's married now. I'm married. Like, it's just a different. I know his parents. He knows my parents. Like, we've known each other forever. And when we first got in the, the Boomer squad together in like 07, 08, the Boomer, like, not taking anything away. Boomers has always had a good culture. Absolutely. Like, from like the Andrew Gazer, Shane Hills, Luke Long. Like, there's always been, um, like 1956, I think the first one. Like I'm sure, mm. I don't know any of those guys, but I'm mm. sure they had a fucking really good culture. Patty and I, when we got in there, noticed like things that we thought could be could be better. 
because it definitely isn't bad. It was never bad, but we were also 20 years old. So like, we're not going to go in there and tell Matt Nielsen and all these like veterans that, that were in the time, like, this is how we should be doing it. Or mm. like, this is, um, I'm on this other call with a group of leaders of like Jordan Love from the Green Bay Packers. We all get on a call once a month and he was saying the same thing. Like Aaron Rodgers was Green Bay. It's kind of like not his rules, but like a part of it is he's been there that long. But then like Jordan Love comes in, he's this new quarterback. Like he's got some ideas as well. So it's a little bit different. So me and Patty had these different thoughts of like leadership or how programs should be run or what we should be doing as a team. And so as we got older and older, we just kind of kept trying to build it and build it and build it. And then it got to a point a few years ago where we're like, we've just been like tiptoeing around this. Like we, we've always wanted, we were always competitive. We were always like, we lost to America twice in the quarterfinals. Mm. And at one point we were like, fuck this. Like if we're going to hold everyone accountable, like we do ourselves and we want to build this program to where we think it can go, we have to put it out there that we're going to win a gold medal. That's the only way that not only does it hold us accountable because we've said it, <laughs> but it makes everyone else that, like the giddies and the next generation of life. I want to be a part of that. Mm. And Patty and I have done a lot of this together. Patty to me is like the best person in the whole entire world. Like his dedication to like being Australian and his craft of basketball and his family and his culture and the traditions of what like all like is like, if you want to get someone on your podcast, like, I might be right. He is fucking legit. He is cool. like, and we just thought like, let's build it and let's keep building it and keep building it. And like, Giddy got cut two years ago. Like, just been the, well, I think he was like the fifth pick or whatever he was. Just got cut from our team, and he was like, I don't care. I want to be back. Like, he loved it that much that he just wanted to be back, and he just got told that he wasn't like, quote unquote, good enough. He is good enough, mm. but it was a, he was very young and, yep. and very different player <laughs> to who he is today. And now it's. Like, I guess going forward now, like me and Patty are 34 and 35 now, not 20. And our whole goal now is like we've built it to this really good spot. But now it's for us to pass this on to Giddy and Dyson Daniels and Thibault and Jock Lander, like this next group of young guys to then, like, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to be cut soon. I'm going to be cut one day. Like, I'm not going to make the team. Oh, with that mindset, you will. And, <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. What happened, At to, some what point. happened to playing forever? <laughs> Fucking hell. I was just about to run through a brick wall. That was a quick change. <laughs> but at some point, I won't play. And I don't want to leave, or Paddy doesn't want to leave, and it goes back yep. down, or it's not like, and so it's like now it's for us, it's like getting giddy in these meetings and these conversations. And when we're not there, like it's got to be the same thing. So that we, like, I mean, Ben Simmons, is like, would love to have Ben involved. That's his choice. I think our culture would be the best thing for him mm. right now in his career and personally that he would ever do. That's his choice to play or not. We can't do anything else. But Giddy gets cut, comes straight back in. Like, that's what we want. Yep. So, has it, Have you spoken to Ben about it before? Yeah, we've had a few, um, kind of like our leadership group, and obviously our coach, Gorgeous, has, has been in there. And, I mean, you can only ask so many times, I guess. Like, mm -hmm. we, we would love to have him involved. I also understand from his point of view, he's got his own stuff to work on, health and his his personal, like, whatever, whatever his yeah. bucket of stuff going on is. If he wants to play, like, great, come in. We, we genuinely think, like, it's not we want him to play because it'll help us win a gold medal or we want it. Like, we genuinely think as a as a person and as a player, it would be the best thing that, that has happened to him. That's why we, like, I'm old as hell. Like, we keep coming back to play because it's like, you might be tired. You might I probably did my ACL because I played so many summers in mm -hmm. a row. But it was like, I'm not going to not play. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, there's no chance I'm not playing because it's such a good culture and environment. Like, it's... 
Yeah, it's... Oh, man, it's... it's I can't even, like... It's I, hard. I don't know a lot of other cultures. I don't yeah. know... I know a little bit of, like, what Hawthorne was like because Ruffy would tell me bits and pieces, but I don't know, like, what the Packers are like. I don't know what these other teams are like, but I would put ours up against anyone in the world. Yeah, well, I think it's got that reputation for sure. Like I said, I don't know much about, but, like, I feel connected to it. And that's yeah. the thing of, like, Australian sport, right? Like, we can get around something and we can be a part of it. All yeah. you need is a buy-in from players, and it's, like, Australians are quite good at seeing bullshit and like yeah. when you see it you can you know the boomers can have good posters around and stuff like <laughs> that but everyone knows like you yeah, go fuck these guys are actually coming back like they want to play here this is incredible yeah. like yeah. it really is I will say as well like this could be completely off but do you reckon Australian guys go over there you want to be a part of it you run around with like Jordan and stuff you go oh maybe I'm too cool to go back and play Australian basketball right but then you go you know what fuck that we're actually just as good as these guys why don't we just be proud of our country come back together and fucking beat them. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's how it is. You know, like as a young yeah. guy, you go and you want to be liked by them, but then you realize we're actually on the same level. Fuck them. Let's go and beat them. Well, I still remember, like, I went to Beijing Olympics and <clears throat> London 2008 and 12. And we were, we were, we were good. We played hard. Like, we didn't back down to anyone we played, but we weren't as talented. And a part of that, I think, is like the yeah. mindset of like, I think we went into the game like, kind of knowing we were going to lose, mm. which is like the fucking worst mindset you can have. But we're playing against like Kobe, LeBron. Like it, you look at them and we had, I think Boga was our only NBA player back then. Mm. And you like, yeah, you turn around f 10, 15 years later and it's like, Giddy's going to be a fucking all-star one day. Ben was an all-star, like Dyson Daniels. Fuse. Like everyone's in the NBA now. And it's like, I've played against, yeah. like I just had 20 against this guy. Or mm. Paddy's like, I've just, and yeah, you're like, and then obviously, like like you said, you come back as a group and it's a collective. There's like 12 of us of like, fuck you. Yeah. Like we're coming to – we're coming to, and, that, and that was a part of us putting it in into the, the universe of like you can't just keep tiptoeing around like in the meetings. The like, universe. oh, we'd love to, we'd love to win. Mm. Like, oh, it'd be great. Like, no, we've never fucking won a medal mm. ever in men's basketball. Nothing. We beat New Zealand. But like <laughs> mm. never won a, at a major tournament. So like let's go win a fucking gold medal. And like, we didn't get it done. We won a bronze, first ever medal by Australian bus. Great. Like, we loved it, but... It's not what you wanted. As soon as we were done and we had a couple of beers and it was all over with, we were like, like, it's time to get back to work. Like, and now you're throwing Giddy and this group of guys, it's like we we're even more talented than when we were when we won a bronze medal. Yeah. It's like exciting, man. Scary. Very cool. Just on the Australian thing, one more, is like you hear about, I think there's like LeBron talking about Del Dover and like the impression of Australians when they come into the NBA. Do you think now like with any player that comes in, you've got to play a certain way? Like you've got to be hard. You've got to be- I think a, that is just us. Like yeah. I don't think that's something that you have to, like Delhi's a, a fucking great example. Yeah. Like <clears throat> I still got, we got told stories like he was- undrafted went to Cleveland and that's like Kyrie and LeBron and all these and he's like picking Kyrie out full, full court Kyrie even doesn't want to be picked up full court like yeah. he just wants to get it's practice yeah <laughs> but Delhi's fucking trying to make his like make a career he's trying to get and he did it the whole training camp and I'm sure him and Kyrie got in a few dust ups over it and he made the team and he won a championship and he like it's it's the perfect example but I yeah. think that is and Delhi's on like the extreme level yeah. like he's an intense dude that's what he does that's how he's made his such a great career for, yeah. for so long. But it's probably like, just on him, it's like probably, and I don't think he'd be offended at saying it, it's like, it's not the talent that he had, it's just that this bloke is a fucking, it's the grit in yeah. him. Like, he maxed himself out. Yeah, like I, I think that is something that Australians have. Yeah. Like you you look at, I, I think we express it in different ways. Like Delhi's is the way he goes about it. Bogut's was like the physical yeah. 
Paddy's is like a finesse. Paddy makes it look easy kind of thing, but he's like he's not going to back down. Like everyone, we all have our own ways, but I think that's that's who we are. Mm. And then the Bogarts and these guys, Ben's at number one picks and Dante Exum number five pick and all these guys are now giddy and all that. Like it opens the door. There's mm. no question that Bogarts are number one pick. They're all of a sudden looking at some more Australians. Like that's just the way it is. Like So, yeah, it's – it's definitely changed, but I think those guys opened the door. I mean, you guys know, like when you get us in a room or with other, like we're good people. Like we can mm. have fun. Most of us are good people. Yeah, sometimes. Um, <laughs> especially being around a group. Like it's different. They yeah. like that. They think you're funny. They think you talk funny. It's just like yeah, they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they like Australians. Like a lot of the world likes Australians. Yeah. Like we're a likable country. <laughs> So I think it just, yeah. And then, Do you have any funny memories of like when you first got there, players just being like, who the fuck are you? Like, I still, yeah. Like I, I, I had a couple of things of like probably more embarrassment of like there's no way these guys. Like I'm in Utah and 27 and Quinn knew who I was and yeah. Dante Exum had just been drafted so I knew a couple of people. And Quinn was like wanted me to be vocal. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a talker, especially in like on court. Yeah. Like the fuck am I like? I'm not going to – these guys don't even know my name and I'm going to be telling, like, Gordon Haywood what to do, who was an all-star at the time. I'm not fucking telling him what to do. And then one of the coolest memories of my career, like, kind of a few years later was I was lucky enough to play Kobe a few times, which was which was unreal. We went to the World Cup in 2019, I think it was, and I was, like, walking to the, the baseline and I heard someone calling my name and I had a, a couple of friends at the game and I'm like, it's my friends being fucking idiots. Like, we're in the – I think we're in a – the semi-final or quarter-final or something. So I'm like, it's just like these guys are from fucking Adelaide and didn't listen, didn't listen. And then it was like a bit more of an aggressive like, Joe. And I turned around and it was Kobe. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, <laughs> one, he knows my name. And two, this is an NBA. Like, it doesn't – very different if I was guarding him in the NBA mm. and he's like, we're having a bit – like, everyone talks in the NBA. And he, he'd said something to me, be like, show, like, show me something or give me something to – like, whatever it was, something – very minuscule that he he probably would have never remembered anyway. But I was like, holy shit, that's Kobe Bryant. Like he was one of my favorite players to watch. So things like that that you just like, yeah, I was trying to get three years to get the pension, and now Kobe's calling my name on this. Like it just mm. some really some really cool memories. That definitely sounded like a retirement speech, didn't it? But no, I didn't. No, there's there's plenty more to go. I'm gonna, I want, gonna what, keep going. Oh, you're gonna keep going, man. Because what's your biggest? I have an idea of this, but what is your? Do you think your biggest talent is? Like, what's your biggest strength? On court. In anything, like it can be physical or it can be like mental. Like, what's what um, gets you to play the, your best game? Because, like, that then I still don't reckon. I know you had the conversation with coaches and you put things in place, but like, and I'm not saying there has to be a specific moment, it, it could have just been general, like, yeah. um, gradual belief built. But, like, I just don't want to over harp on the fact to go from a 27 year old debuting, you know, getting nervous talking not nervous but like not yeah, really no, feeling a part of it yeah. to doing what you're doing now like there had to be something where you flip from like nah this is I'm, I'm ready to go here yeah and I do <clears throat> was it a game was there certain moments that I, I, believe, think, that, yeah. I think having like results in what you're doing yeah. helps working hard and actually yeah. seeing them yeah like, yeah like I can go shoot a million threes if I go 0 for 5 in a bunch of games I'm going to yeah. be like you still suck you start <laughs> reaping the reward yeah yeah like and I think for me like hearing that from Quinn and going like alright I can I deserve to be here yeah. and I can help this team at the time and you get these like little opportunities and then you do start to see some reward and um, I think one of the biggest like the confidence things I ever had was my third year 
I'd always come off the bench and one of our guys was a bit beat up towards the end of the year just with a few injuries and niggles and it was right before the playoffs and Quinn wanted a bit more stability in our starting lineup just so we could go into the playoffs with it was the first year we'd made the playoffs in like the Jazz had made it in years so he came to me and he's like I'm going to put you in the starting lineup and I was like in my head like you're a fucking idiot like <laughs> you're trying to get fired like what are you doing obviously even that thinking that I still knew I was good at basketball mm -hmm. but I was like I went home and I was like telling like holy shit this dude like really believes in me like he really thinks we're about to start in the playoffs like not game seven yeah like the playoffs like we haven't made the playoffs for whatever it was eight years and I'm going to take the spot of a first round draft pick in the starting lineup for me, like for me. And I think I took that as like a massive Let's confidence go. booster. And it was the first playoffs that we played the Clippers. We beat the Clippers, which was like the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre, like the, mm -hmm. the what do they call themselves? Lob City or whatever they call themselves. We beat them in that series. And I started and I like had to guard JJ Redick, who was a, a guy I looked up to a little bit and played well and ended up getting a four year deal after that. But it was, I think that one of those moments of like, shit, I do deserve to be here. And my coach thinks I deserve to be here. Like now I've just got to put everything I've done yeah. for 30 years of my life into this five game series or seven game series, whatever, and, and make it worthwhile. And I was was able to take the opportunity and, and run with it. It's a leap. I love that. Another podcaster, you mentioned there, JJ Reddick. There's another podcaster that you, I know you're a very big trash talker. Okay, on the court. That's the one thing everyone says about you. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's trash talk. It's just talk. It's just talk. Yeah. I know you like to talk, I do on, like to on, talk. on the court. Um, I'm going to throw a question over to Moff because Moff loves his basketball. He listens to many podcasts. There's a podcast with Paul George that uh, I don't know if you're aware. I know you're not on socials anymore. I'm not. But this popped up recently. We wanted to see what you have to say about it and why. So uh, pretty much Paul George about a week ago, Oh, recently? Um, yeah, recently had Terrence Mann on his podcast and I was talking about their like toughest opponents. He didn't talk about me, please. And yeah, I'll just play this video for you. I just own your reaction. If there's one thing I know about, it's clangers. Unfortunately, I was always biting off more than I could chew, thinking it's on when it's definitely not, ripping that 45, giving it a crack, and often it was an absolute disaster. The good news is if your local club has had a recent clanger or challenge, then you can win up to $15,000 through the Amy Clangers for Good competition. In 100 words or less, tell us how Amy can help your club bounce back from a recent challenge. Enter now at amy.com dot au forward slash clangers for good that's amy.com dot au forward slash clangers for good t's and c's apply i want to know who you think, think who is covered. paul the problem mm. <laughs> well, when i first got here it was Joe Ingles. <laughs> you don't like that shit. I'm so happy you said that. I'm so happy you said that. PG does not like the Joe Ingles talk. I don't, but um, <laughs> that's what it was for the longest, I feel like. Yeah. I would say it gave me problems from a, like, a annoying standpoint. <laughs> he was just such an annoying player. And for me, it helps me. He don't know that, but I've it got a good story me. about like, this too. People think like, oh, I'm getting under his skin. Like I'm going to make him off his game. Right. That actually locks me in. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I could be shooting <laughs> or going through a, a rough patch. That locks me in to like, all right, now everything's about to be calculated. You like, went two for 16 sure in the last game. Working on you. I mean, it showed in that that Utah series. Like, yeah. You were locked in. I mean, he did. Like, every game he was locked in. I was locked in. Because then he taught, I don't know if he taught Royce O'Neal some <laughs> bullshit, but then Royce, <laughs> Roy, Royce the whole team's doing it. Like, I'm like, now you, like, yeah, the fact, come on, bro. The fact that he's still talking about this is hilarious <laughs> to me. <'cause laughs> That's unbelievable. I do not ever talk about it because yeah. it doesn't, like, 
It doesn't bother but he's me. Ob- but you're obviously under his skin. Yeah, I, and and to his credit, like that series, I would confidently say, like I did a decent job at him. But mm. it was, and I've said this before, like because every I have you go get this question a little bit about the whole that that, that series especially, but. Like if you put me and Paul George on a court, like I'm not beating him one on one. I'm not stupid. Like mm. I'm very like self aware of what I'm good at. He's more athletic. He's elite defensively. But you give me Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and a, a few guys around me, like I know how to I know how to play, mm. and I know I know I can be damn straight annoying. Like I know that. And so game one of that series, he had like forty, and. Quinn again pulled me to the side and was like, "Hey, I think we're going to switch the matchup." And I was like, "Fuck that!" Like, and I begged him about. And I, pro- and I was like, "Give me one more chance." Like, if he, if we go down 0-2, I can't remember if he even won the first game or not. But if he has a big game again, like, I'm with you. You can put someone else on him. Mm-hmm. And so the whole like you kind of play every second day. That whole day off, I was just like, "All right, what can I do there to figure this out?" Because I'm not like we just put us one on one the whole game. He's gonna he's gonna beat me. So I was like, fuck this. I know what I can do. Like, I'm going to like, I stood like this close to him the whole time. I like was breathing on him. I would like keep pulling his arm or like pull his arm hair or like just anything. Like just <laughs> be the, like he went to inbound the ball one time and he had his head like like kind of resting down. And I just went and like put my stomach in his head. Like just stood there and he pushed me and got a technical foul. Like, so I was like, I'm just going to do everything for him to be more worried about me than actually playing the game. Because I'm not like, I am not stupid. I know what, what I can do and what I can't do. So my whole goal was like, just to like make him as frustrated as possible. And I definitely am, would never take all the credit. Like it wasn't my reason, me, the, the reason that we won the series. Like we had a, a really good team. We played well together. But I think I played my part. And then like like he said, like Royce would come in and be like, Royce came off the bench at that point And Royce would come off the bench and like do the same stuff. So it was just like 48 minutes for him of like, but then to like, to give him credit, like, I mean, I think two years ago in Utah, he destroyed us. So mm. he, uh, and he, and I, like, I've heard, like, he genuinely hates me, which is yeah. cool. <laughs> I've had people that have worked out with him before, and like, I'm very different, like, on the court to off the court. Like, I think I'm, yeah. my whole Milwaukee team used to hate me, and I'm like super but does close. Does animosity turn into respect, or is there just animosity? No, he still doesn't like okay. me. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. so like we like- still go to the, like who I was with Milwaukee this year, and it's yeah. like every time I go on the call, he's still talking shit. I'm like, dude, like, I'm this was so long ago. Like, I'm so over it. But if you were that mad at me still, then like, fucking whatever. That is so good. But like all the guys in Milwaukee, Drew Holiday and Chris Miller, all them, they used to hate me, and then I play with them now. Chris and Drew FaceTime me every second day. Like, it's it would be the same with him. Like, I think if it he would spent be. time, if you gen- yeah, if you had a team together, I just worked out with this whole summer. Worked out with Russell Westbrook. Wow. We had the same kind of group that we we're working out with, and. He was on that same OKC team. I got into it with him probably more than Paul George over the last eight years. And I sat next to him and it, like I walked through the door and I was like, fuck. <laughs> like one of those things are like, this is not gonna be good yeah. for me. Like, and he's brutal. Like he is like the most intense, like he gives like, you wanna see like someone playing hard? That's a dude that fucking plays hard every mm-hmm. night. And I walked in the door and I was like, fuck. And we were on at the same time. So I like half at half court and then at the end of the session you go together and do and we sat down before for a minute and didn't really say much and then after i sat down we'll just talk of like the best fucking dude in the world mm. and all the slander and shit that he gets like you could never tell me like no chance works his ass off one of the best dudes off the court and this is from like two months of working out with him but yeah i was like when i walked in i was like holy shit this is like 
my family might never see me again. <laughs> <laughs> like he might destroy me in this workout. Oh, that is so good. But yeah, it was like, yeah. And I, and I think that would be the same with, I mean, I'd probably never end up playing with Paul George because we're both at the other ends and he genuinely doesn't like me. So <laughs> it is what it is. It's not. Hey, that um, thing fascinates me around the, the workouts. How yeah. does that happen? Like, how do you go into a work? Like, how do you get paired with Westbrook? And like, does you, do you go into like a team with all players that are like you? Or like, what, Yeah, no. What? So you go, like everyone bases himself. We, we base ourselves in LA in the summers. Okay. Um, so you live with your family in LA in the summer? Yeah. Yep. So go to this shit like Orlando. Yep. And then so obviously for us it's now, but it's school holidays as well. So yep. it's like our big – so the kids don't have school. So we used to be in San Diego and then – Workouts are just better in LA. Like, mm-hmm. there's more guys that live there. Kind of LA, New York, and Miami are probably the three where m- most guys spend their summers. A really good friend of mine, George Niang, who I played with in Utah for a while, um, I knew he spent time in LA. So I just texted him, like, hey, who do you work out with in LA? And sent me the name of this guy. And I called the guy. Like, I was a like coach? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of these guys will have, like, they rent a court or a gym or, or both. Um, and you. Like, like I guess like on this coach's like roster of guys, it yeah. was like Westbrook, Harrison Barnes, George Niang, Nas Reed, big kid, just like a bunch of dudes. Yeah, and it's really just kind of like where guys spend their summers. Or some guys might come in to LA for a couple of weeks and they just want somewhere to work out. And these guys will, and obviously like you pay the guys per yeah. session and blah blah blah, and they kind of pair you up with like a lot of it depends on like Westbrook's got kids as well so like me and him would be early because we the kids are up and we'd get out and do our workout and get back home to the kids and yeah it was just kind of random guys would come in and out so if I went and worked out in New York I'm sure there would have been kind of like a whole roster of different guys working Mm. out in in New York but yeah just I guess completely random but it was the first time I've really done something like that like I'd always do a lot more stuff by myself and or with the team I was with and it was the first time doing like that and I really enjoyed like you just get to you get to work out with different guys you get to meet guys that like you're in pretty fierce competition with a lot of the year like Westbrook's a great example like me and have got into it so and like the respect that you have after seeing the day-to-day like he is in there every day he like we would lift at the same place which was a little bit weird as well mm. like so we spent a, not a fair bit of time together but like a couple of hours a day mm. yeah it ended up it became really cool and just to see because then like I'm sure you guys see like you just see him in the media getting fucking destroyed by everyone in the world because of A, B and C and D like I'm like yeah, maybe he misses some shots, but like that dude fucking works harder than ninety percent of the NBA. So, so cool, man! Like I, yeah. I love that. And I never thought I'd get the chance to work out. No, fucking Russell Westbrook. Like, yeah, but, he's going to be a, a Hall of Famer. Of, and but like a lot of people would say that MVP. They, yeah, like, they, a lot of people would say they've ne- they never thought they'd work out with Joe Ingles. Yeah, they don't want to do that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I do, man. Let's go have a shot. Yeah, we can go have a shot. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I have to um, get you down to the. Are you going to come to some games? I'd love to. Yeah, when are they on? Yeah, we can get some tickets. Can we get some tickets? Yeah, we go. Oh, man. Moff's, Moff's he's very excited. Um, I'd love you. To, I think one thing that comes uh, apparent to yourself is you love your family. You happen to speak about the you know, all the amazing work you're doing, raising money for autism and yeah. supporting your son. Yeah. So we, we have seven-year-old twins and a two-and-a-half-year-old, <coughs> so we're, we are busy. Two, about two-and-a-half years old, Jacob got diagnosed with autism, which for us, I guess it's like a, a shock because you just don't expect like you have a kid and you just think your kid's the best kid in the world Mm. and nothing's ever going to hurt them and like Miller and Jacob were twins so we had a bit of like comparison to see and Miller was kind of just taken off and Jacob was a little bit kind of behind and yeah ended up going through the process more like it's like if you go through it and 
nothing happens and it's like all right cool at least we did it but if you miss it it's especially what i know now like you miss the diagnosis it's very de detrimental to the to the kid or the adult kind of thing so he got diagnosed and then from then on it was like i mean basketball's great and all that but we're kind of dedicated to this and it was funny at the time renee and i just started to look at different things to invest in with children we were trying to figure out a space that we could kind of dive into as a family and it was always going to be involving children because that's what i guess kind of impacting the next generation and trying mm -hmm. to help that and jacob got diagnosed right around that time and we're like like there you go <laughs> like there's the path we can go down Jumped on the board of four ASD kids here in Australia with with Matt Rogers and, and Chloe Maxwell, um, ex NRL rugby league. I don't mm -hmm. know one of the rugby's. It yep. was good. Yep. And then started getting some stuff in America, and so we we got on the board of Culture City, which is is huge. And then just re recently, Renee and I started Culture City Australia. So a lot of work in there for us. Uh, I think the reason is obviously the platform of being able to to sit here with you and and the awareness of it like we we didn't expect it we didn't know what we were looking for but there was something there and realizing if you do miss this diagnosis and you find out when the kid's eight or ten or, or 15 it, it, it's a very different path for, for these kids and we were lucky we found it kind of two and a half just or just before he was three and the other side of it is financially we're very lucky that we can get jacob whatever he needs we're the therapy over a hundred grand a year wow. if you depending on like obviously the, the kind of what your your son or daughter needs it's expensive and for us obviously being in that position it's like we need to help other people like we're lucky we can do that but there's a lot of people that can't there was we've got stories of like kids that needed 20 hours a week but could only afford to do two hours a week mm. um and for from my point of view, like that's not fair that's not fair on the kid it's not fair on the family mum might have to stay at home because of what the kid needs the dad might be working you've got i mean it's like house car food like we all we've all got bills to pay so we dove into to a, to a ton of the financial side of it as well to, to try and help these families we're actually promoting first or second game one of the three games is is for culture city awesome man um so we've picked three different charities this year to to do that so um, one of them will be Culture City just to, again, raise the awareness. Like, yeah, it's not about no, us. Mate, we'd love to do whatever we can as well. If there's anything else we can do, please yeah, shout out. It'd be yeah. awesome. How much um, – oh, sorry, the question I was had then, This I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the importance of early detection, what does that help with? Yeah, so like, Jacob, Obviously early detection. But yeah, what, yeah, like, like obviously <laughs> knowing is the yeah, first knowing, thing. Yeah. Um, for Jacob, the biggest – one of the biggest things was he was nonverbal. Yeah. And you go in these meetings, like it's like you're sitting at this desk and they're like, well – he he might never talk. He might not play. Like I'm a I'm a dad. I'm like, oh, I want my son to play basketball, which is yeah. like the dumbest thing in the world. Now that I look at it, but I was like, can he play basketball? I was like, well, yeah, he can fucking play basketball. He's like, <laughs> yeah. he's not like disabled in another way or, yeah. or anything else. He's he's just got autism. And but Jacob was like was nonverbal. His sensory, so like even like lights and noise. Like he never comes to my games, which yeah. like kills me a little bit. But I also know it's best for him. So I'm not like. Why would I get upset if it's going to be? That's what's best for him. For so, sure. getting the 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 early diagnosis is like for, for us. It was like almost like reconnecting the wires for Jacob to like he's got it all in there. Yeah, Jacob's what the smartest kid. He might be the smartest kid we've got. Mm. <laughs> Our other kids are, are great, but Jacob Jacob has everything in there. Like you could tell him something, he could watch something, and he he retains it. Yeah. But it was like processing that from there to actually then verbalizing it. And I think for us, one of the hardest things was. When he when he couldn't verbalize what it was, the, the how upset he got, it like destroys you because you just don't know what to do. Like, and he can't say 
I'm hungry, I'm sick, yeah. I'm whatever. I need to go to the toilet, like whatever. He just couldn't do it. So sensory need, like we've done a big thing with Culture City, like the sensory rooms, like a quiet room at, at, at Marvel or wherever the, the stadium is that these families can take their kids. But the, uh, I'll probably get the, date, the, the ages wrong, but I think the, the, the key age was like three to eight, two to seven, three to eight of, of getting as much therapy as you can. Mm. So obviously the earlier you get it, the better, the more years you get. And, and like for us now, Jacob just turned seven, he, he doesn't shut up. <laughs> so yeah, so you did that all progress? Yeah, 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 right. So he went from literally nothing, like I think he would have like one word that he would mumble. He literally like does not shut up now. He's the funniest kid in the world. Mm. He's been doing therapy. This will be his first year starting school. It's awesome. Um, with a bit of help. Like yeah. he, ha he has help at school and he's in an autism-based school, um, which was actually a part of the reason I went to Orlando because it's one of the best schools that we haven't been there yet. But yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I actually start tomorrow. So yeah. I'll, I'll give you, a, yeah, I'll give you an update. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, he, he's, he's unreal. And the thing too is now like everyone always – it's like the stupidest thing because there's no cure or anything like that. But like everyone always asks, would you would you change it? And like fuck no, I wouldn't. Yeah. Like Jacob is Jacob because of who he is and because he's got autism. And his sister's fucking unreal for him. He's a unreal big brother to his his little brother. He's the best son, um, one of my best sons. Mm. Yeah, but it, the the early detection is 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 key. And from a, a dad that went through it and and a mum, obviously speaking on on behalf of Renee, it's. I think if you had any concern or any thoughts that you might, like your kid isn't progressing as fast as other kids are, like there's no- Harm. Yeah, no harm. There's no, shouldn't be embarrassed. Should, like well, That's a, I was thinking before, like around the the topic, like is there a way to approach this like in a, you know, like going up and asking people questions or stuff like, is that like- It's one of the hardest it's things. It's a taboo yeah, sort of like thing. In, like, and I now, knowing what I know and- yeah working in this space and seeing the kids and saying like yeah uh, i feel and i would never self-diagnose any of these of kids but i can walk around and i'm like i know that kid is on the spectrum yeah and whether the family knows and it's awkward like you don't want to walk up to someone that you either know like you might might be your sister it might be like your brother you you like whoever it is like it's a hard conversation to have like it's you're almost like telling them there's something wrong with their kid in in, mm -hmm. in what the world thinks and um, my gut would be like if 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 you know enough and you've been around it, like I I would approach it carefully, but I would try and help because I know how important that that early um, mm. intervention is for the kids. So it is a tough one. We we've been in those situations before, and we're going to be in them again. But that's why we do the work we do to like raise. Like I want someone at the game at Rod Laver on the weekend to go like, all right, like maybe I do need to do something or sensory rooms here like yeah bring my kid like bring you that's the whole thing like, we missed out on so much stuff as a family when we, when the kids were younger because we were too scared to take jacob we were too we were scared for him we were scared that he would have a meltdown we were probably a little embarrassed like of other people looking at us and now i don't give a shit like i'll take him wherever i want to take him if he loses his mind i'll be like so locked in on him that i don't even see anyone else anyway yeah. so that's awesome, man. No, it's really cool. And what you're doing to raise awareness in this space, not just for your own family is one incredible, but I know so many people out there would be like needing support. Like it's that, like, yeah. like And for me, that was Matt Rogers, yeah. which is, is crazy because I watched him growing up a little bit and yeah. he was the one that reached out to me. And I was like, I, I think a part of the sporting world is like people think stuff doesn't happen to athletes mm. or to CEOs or to like these, um, like we've got, 
just as much shit going on as Mate, everyone else no, does. I speak about this a little bit, not to definitely not to top any stories, no. or just to resonate. Like you were saying before about would you change anything that happened to you and Renee? And it's like that's probably the relationship that's probably made with you and your family now. Oh. And with you know putting down, maybe you might not have put down your phone ever because you didn't like yeah. want to or something. But for me, like we, uh, me and my wife went through like a IVF battle for like two years. Yeah. Finally, you know, got our son. It's like I would never have changed. Like that was the worst thing I've ever been through. But yeah, hundred like, percent. Would never change it. Yeah. At all. And it makes you who you are and her. And exactly. now you've got your little boy. Exactly. Um. Do you mind if producer Moff asked a couple of questions because he wanted me to ask these and I was like, I, anyone listening will be like, see through the fact that I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. So Moff's a- Get it from the- Yeah, get it from the man. Firstly, Joe, congratulations. Congratulations from me too, man. Congratulations, mate, Appreciate on uh, signing with Orlando. That's massive. I just wanted to say like, you've come from playing for Milwaukee and decided to sign for Orlando where you would have had a lot of teams, tons of teams reaching out for you. I wanted to know like, why did you want to sign with Orlando? What made that so easy? Because there's some future stars like Paolo and France, and I want to hear why. Um, yeah, I think the process of it is like it seems like it's like it plays out on Warriors Twitter, really. Like people just read that. But for me, it's always been probably like three things now. It's obviously the the strength and conditioning side, of, like with, especially with an injury. It's like you want to go somewhere where they've got good staff. Mm. Obviously, the basketball, like I want to enjoy play basketball still and my family like the my family has to be happy if I'm if they're not happy I'm going to be miserable and life will just suck so Orlando funnily enough um, has one of the better reviewed rated um, autism schools for Jacob so that was always a like in the back of the mind if Orlando ever came up then we would strongly consider it um, and obviously like beautiful weather in the winter so that <laughs> we've only lived in the snow for mm. 10 years so this would be nice and then actually weirdly enough but Brian Gorgian, who's our national coach now, coached Jamal Mosley, who's the Orlando Magic coach in the NBL wow. in like 2004 or something like that. Wow. And we, for a few years, were trying to get Mosley in involved with our national team just to help out. He was a young kind of up-and-coming coach. Everyone was raving about he, that he will be a head coach one day. And so we, me and Patty would blow him up, like, yo, <laughs> come and be involved, come and be involved. And the year that he was going to do it was the year he got the magic job. So this is probably four or five years ago. So I, in the NBA, it's like weird before the game, you like see the coaches and everyone talks. And so I would always go say hi to him and we'd always, and then obviously with the team, like, so I'd always had a relationship with him um, and respect him. But like, I love the way he went about it. And he was an ex player. So he kind of gets it. And obviously the schooling and then the team, like you mentioned, like the, as much as I know, like I can still help a team basketball wise and play and do all that. I also, got really excited by the fact of helping these young guys. Like it's, I've been on good, like I've won 50 plus games every year the last mm. six years of my career or whatever it's been. And that's great. But winning is so hard in the NBA. Like we were the best team in the NBA all year in Milwaukee and we lost in the first round. Like it's so hard to win in the NBA. And I, do, I don't know, maybe it was Mosley and the relationship too. And, and obviously Jacob and his schooling, but like I just got really excited by the fact of helping these young guys. And they're on that path of like, they're kind of in that like middle of the pack and they're trying to make that jump. And I'm not gonna go out there and average 40 points. I know that, but I think I can help unlock some of the talent in these kids. I say kids like so. So two of the players are closer to my kids' age than they are to me. Oh really? Wow, that's <coughs> horrible. Are they the two new draft? Yeah, the two Anthony, both nineteen. Yeah, Anthony, Anthony Black and uh, Jet Howard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just got really excited by the fact of like helping France, helping Paolo, like helping these guys. Um, 
such a good young team, but like try and lead in a bit of like the boomers culture, like try mm. and get this culture of like get these guys together and let's play together, play the right way. Because um, at the end of the day in the NBA, like everyone has stats and numbers and all that, but winning is what teams want winning players. Um, so if I can help them do that, I'll, I'll be pretty happy. That's awesome. That is seriously exciting. I think a lot of Orlando Magic fans are going to be excited you're on board. And um, yeah, playoff push this year. Mentor the boys it to a playoff be. spot. We'll have to get some uh, Orlando Magic friends. Look, you got the Orlando Magic colors. That's why we did it. <laughs> that's why we did it, man. I love them. Change it up. <laughs> love those Magic men. Um, that That's a great question, Moff. That's why we have him. Lastly on this, this is the dumbest question ever when it comes to trading teams. But something I really want to know is when you go there, do you get to pick your number? Yes and no. Okay. So in Utah, I've always been seven for a large majority That's what of I was my thinking. Like, but then I was like, did you choose that when you got, went there? So or? when I went to Utah, seven was retired. Yep. And I picked two because of rough. Rough. Really? Yeah. I was just like, he'd, he'd kind of always joked about it. And I never wanted to be a double-digit number guy. It's just not me. Like, I don't have the body I've, type or the... I'm very on, in my numbers. So, yeah. like, I like seven on you. Yeah. And I like two on you as well. Yeah. I love two, which I never thought I did. And then I went to Milwaukee and two was retired. Mm -hmm. But Grayson Allen was seven and I'd played with him in Utah. And I was like, Grayson, can I... So, you have to actually, like, send an email to the NBA, get it approved. Yeah, right. Grayson changes to... I think he went to 12. So, I you just, actually... He was the number and you're like, can I actually have it? Yeah. And what did he say? He was like, "Yeah, I don't give a shit." <laughs> really? And he's a he's a wine drinker, so I just bought him a few really nice bottles of yeah. wine to, to thank him. And then I got to Orlando, um, and it was one of the two way guys, so like a, a younger kid. He said, "Push off, mate." Like, yes, <laughs> sorry, mate. I'm going to be taking that one, but I, I, I'll, I'll still look after him. It's it's almost like the 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 number etiquette. You just kind of I'll, I'll get him a little something, and but I do like I am. I wouldn't say I'm like superstitious on that many things, but I do like having the number I want to play in. For like, sure. No, I, see, I think like it's I so important. In 20 in, number 20 in Barcelona, I fucking hate it. it yeah. Like no, it's super important. Yeah. Because so. you know when you see numbers on like players, oh, even teammates, right. and you're like, bro, get that off. You've got to Like change. that's disgusting. Yeah. What's your most hated like, I number? I love Luca, but I hate 77. <laughs> yeah. So but that, I think he wanted seven, and I think seven was retired, or someone might have had seven, but he, he wears seven with the national team, so it's like he – Obviously wanted seven, but it wasn't there. But I'm like, why pick 77? Like, is there anyone else that you look around going, that just doesn't suit you? One that I... Like the Steph Curry on 30 is, still rattles me a bit. I'm like, oh, man, really? you're the best ever. I'm like, why are you wearing 30? So one of them that I think everyone would think weirdly, but I think it suits the guy is Jay Crowder wears 99. Yeah. It's just not a number anyone would ever pick. Like who who is ever going to choose 99? But he... and. Now I could I could I would never be able to see Jay in another number but ninety nine. Mm. I like the thirty four on um thirty four is good. Yeah, I like twenty two on Chris Middleton too. It's yeah. really weird. It's yeah, no, like, I'm mad. I, uh, this is probably why I didn't make it. I spent too much time sort of worrying about <laughs> worrying about like reshuffling <laughs> the numbers around. I was like, man, I don't know if you, I don't know if that really suits you. <laughs> like it Steph Curry, man, like I want to play with your Golden State, but I would rather you don't wear that number. And he's like, all right, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'd take no, it on board. A, it is an interesting. Yeah, like I like Paddy wears. He was eight, wasn't he? Eight there, but five with us. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, with the Boomers, and I see him as five. Like yeah. I think it's five. He's cold as hell. Yeah, dude, we're five because you might go average twenty. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So I think five as well. Just being the Australian thing, it sort of like has like a bit of the footy five to it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's getting a bit weird now, but like the footy five on basketball 
if he's thinking that, he's like what's playing the, like what's Nathan a weird Buckley. Number in the AFL? Is there like a? I I'm really weirdly like 28, 38, 18. For some reason, I don't like. Wouldn't wear those numbers. I just don't think they sit very well. But if you wear them, you have to be a key for like an eighteen like a has two to be a and center forward. Next to each other doesn't really. No, it doesn't. Thirty eight as well doesn't. Forty eight's disgusting. Um, but I think for me, like the most underrated numbers, I love forty four. I reckon that's a really cool number. I yeah, like forty three as well because I wore forty three. Um, but I'm sort of a traditionalist with basketball because in the NBA you guys can wear whatever you want. But you know, like back in the day when you'd like it has to be yeah. On the fingers, yeah. So, so that I, just changed with FIBA and all that too. You used to, we had to wear four to fifteen, yeah. So like when I first went to like Beijing Olympics, we had to pick those numbers, those numbers. But the veterans pick first, and they have the yeah. numbers. And seven was available, and I was like, and Patty wanted five. It was five, seven, and like twelve. And me and Patty, the twelve, the guy who ended up taking twelve was an American who was naturalized, and we were like. He got to pick first because he was the oldest, mm. and we were both like, "Please don't fucking pick our numbers," and he didn't. Good. So, well, I'm, I'm excited to come and watch the game because I'll let you know after if, which ones I don't like. Yeah, yeah I want to. No, I do want to know. I'll, I'll be. I'll trust. Like, me. I think Gideon three epic. Y'all like Gideon three? Yep, yep, yeah. Well, it's different with you guys as well because you're a lot taller. So yeah. traditionally, anyone over 200 centimeters, I don't want in low numbers. But like, it's a different game because <laughs> you guys are taller. I'll go, I'll, we'll probably take this chat off air because I think it might be boring everyone. Um, Matt, I cannot thank you enough for coming in today, man. Taking way too much of your time, no, but um, you said it. we'll definitely come to the games, yeah, and play yeah. some courtside. You said you, right? I said you, you were saying courtside. I think like <laughs> no, we'll get I you. heard you say that. No, we'll get you tickets for sure, mate. Appreciate Easy. it. Thank you so much. People are going to get a lot out of that. Um, again, congrats on what you've done with Super Boost too. Yeah, go to um, your your local gas station. Yeah, local. Ga- we don't call them gas stations here, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't. <laughs> that was so American. Don't do that shit. It's called a petrol station Go here, to man. Petrol station, petrol station milk bar, milk deli, deli. Yeah, you're an Adelaide boy. So, um, thanks again, brother. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, that'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest, or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at producer.com. Thanks for tuning in. Illy XX.